welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the Wickedly Smart Women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create change all around the world. Now here's your host, Emerald Green Forest. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Emerald Greenforest, and today we welcome our special guest, Christy Kerner. After founding seven businesses for herself, scaling three for others, mentoring and coaching hundreds of founders, and running the Center for Entrepreneurship at the nation's largest university, Arizona State, Christy knows what it takes to build a multi-million dollar company. The best part is you'll never guess the primary skill that you don't need in order to do it. I am very excited to welcome Christy to the show today and to dive deep into what it takes to be a wickedly smart woman who is also creating massive amounts of wealth. So thank you so much for being here, Christy. It's my pleasure to have you. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Beautiful. Well, I want to hear about all these seven businesses for you. Like, like where did you start with your entrepreneurial bug? Were you a, a lemonade stand girl when you were a kid? Or what inspired you to just jump headfirst into founding businesses and being an entrepreneur? Sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny to look back into childhood and see if we can see signs of things, right? And I certainly did create Christie's Tulip preschool when I was like, I don't know, six years old and was able to wrangle my little sister's friends and keep track of them for hours a day. I'm sure people didn't mind the free babysitting, but I suppose that might have been my first venture. Didn't make a lot, but it was fun. (laughs) But no, I actually got into kind of company building as a teenager. I had an opportunity to be the primary operator of what was a just a dental practice, a local business, a couple of dentists that all they wanted to do is show up and work on teeth and they had moved to a new city. So they hired a consultant. The consultant placed me as the kind of initial operator when I was just 16. And then from there, I kind of fell in love with company building. I mean, it was something that um, the first one, it was back in a time and a place where gas was like 87 cents a gallon, but we scaled it from nothing to doing about I don't know, three or four million a year in just two years. And I think, again, that was the first time that I really got bit by the bug of realizing that company building was something where you could put forth creative effort and take good care of people and kind of employ a lot of people, have a lot of fun and be able to create a lot of success for everyone involved. So that was the initial kickoff. From there, I I really liked being self-employed. And so I went into consulting to be able to help other dental practices do turnarounds. After that, I went into corporate, had to kind of try big business. And it was fascinating because I found that large companies are like a bunch of small companies, each department, one in the same. And so now I was helping with a department that was more around 150 million a year, but it really wasn't any different than running a small business. And then in around 2006, I ended up 
having to take a little break to get brain surgery of all things. <laughs> I had a tumor in my head and it caused me to kind of take a second and slow down in life and, and look at what I was doing with my life, which resulted in a divorce and a new company. So <laughs> that was one of the ones that I think was probably my first real dive in with myself and trying to create something that was new and different. Uh, that one was a diamond jewelry line. And it was the first time that I really figured out what it means to build a company and that you don't really have to have what you think you have to have in order to be able to do that. And that's something that I'm really passionate about helping people see now because it's so easy to think that the people that are building companies know all of these things and have all these things that other people don't. And that's just not the case. Mm. I love that. Well, you know, what I'm hearing in your story there is there's something that just stood out to me right away when you were talking about working with the dentists. A lot of times, I I mean, I've had this experience myself. I've worked myself with a number of clients who've had the same experience where something happens in your life and then you become passionate about wanting to serve in a certain way. And you really just want to serve in that way. Like the dentists just wanted to see clients. Totally true. And they didn't necessarily want to have anything to do with or even the time or the bandwidth or the, the skill set to do with running the business side of things. And I see so many people who have just immense gifts in what it is that their practice is. Totally but true. not necessarily having any kind of clue about the business side of things. So can you differentiate for us a little bit? Because I think people become what I call an accidental entrepreneur, right? They, Absolutely. They, they like get passionate, they get excited, they have some kind of big life change, hopefully not a brain tumor, but, or, you know, like a divorce or something happens to them. And then all of a sudden they get clear that they want to do something with their life. And then they jump into creating some kind of a business vehicle for that and don't necessarily understand the business side of things. So can you talk a little bit about that primary skill that you don't need in order yeah. to do it, number one? Absolutely. And number two, can you talk about specifically this kind of disconnect between your passion and profitability sometimes, yeah, right? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So lots to unpack there. The first half of it that I'll talk about is when we have a passion for something technical, like we have a technical expertise or like you said, a creative offering that we want to give the world. And we want to be able to focus on that. We want to be able to deliver that. And getting people to come to us is what is often what a big part of quote the business side is. And that's the part that really weighs on the shoulders of a lot of people. I've literally worked with hundreds of founders at this point because I love mentoring and kind of helping people. And it's a constant theme. It's a constant weight on people's shoulders. And I, I'll be honest. I mean, one of the things that we have to face if we do want to build a company or be self-employed is the fact that that is a part of our reality. And it's an unfortunate part of our reality for a lot of us, but it is something that we have to open ourselves up to learn. But that goes hand in hand with the part that is what I feel like I discovered over the years after working with so many different founders and building multiple things myself, I realized that there's one consistent trait that I have seen in those that are successful. When I was running the Center for Entrepreneurship at ASU, I had the opportunity to 
sit down with a lot of students on a regular basis. And I would often ask them, like, what do you think is that number one trait that I've seen in people that have been able to be successful? And I would get answers like grit and determination and creativity and all of these things that are absolutely important and a part of it. But what's interesting is that the number one thing that I found is what I like to refer to as resourcefulness or constant ability to figure shit out. Like literally, if you can just commit to being comfortable knowing that on a daily basis, you aren't going to know what is next and you aren't going to know how to do it. But all you have to do is figure it out. Like that becomes really empowering because I see a lot of people and I've been there myself again, every time I go back and start a new company, which I just did again, like I know so much about what it takes to build companies and I've been exposed to so much. But the weird thing about company building is that every path is different. Like you literally, I mean, yes, we have degrees in entrepreneurship and things like that. And they teach us some of the basics, but every single person's company is a different journey to build. And what you need to do to create it is individual as well. So there's literally no way to educate fully on what you need to be able to be successful. So it really comes down to this ability to constantly be comfortable not knowing what's next and not knowing how to do it. Like, I mean, with my more, more recent company, it's a subscription mascara company, kind of like Dollar Shave Club, but shipping mascara in super cute, super happy packaging with really happy messages trying to brighten people's lives as they receive their mascara, right? I've had to tackle some things. This is, I mean, my jewelry company that I mentioned, one of the first ones was a product-based company, but that one I had to curtail a little early because it was 2007 and the economy tanked. And I was like, okay, not the best time to start a luxury company. I see the math, right? But my other companies have been service-based companies or software, things like that. So getting back into massive amounts of inventory and you know, manufacturing and all that kind of stuff, I don't know that much about manufacturing a year ago when I started, but right now I know so much about manufacturing, <laughs> right? And I think it's just really freeing for people to realize that you don't have to wait till you know how to do it. You just have to start walking down the path and then you just overcome each challenge you come up to. Am I making sense? Yeah, you certainly are. You know, one piece that I want to, I, I just want to highlight there is what you really are saying is the adventure of entrepreneurship is literally, you know, walking in into the unknown. And what I'm hearing there is the key is to be able to be confident in your own capacity to to handle the unknown, the great mystery. I mean, life itself is a gigantic great mystery, right? Who would have thought you would have ended up divorced? Who would have thought you would have ended up with a brain tumor? Who would have thought you would have started a mascara club? You know, it's all a gigantic (laughs) mystery. And so what I'm hearing there is that in order to really flourish in business, that getting comfortable with being in the mystery is is the area that people yeah. need to have some mastery in. <laughs> and we're, true. we are going to have to take a short break already. We're already at the break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about your little mascara club and the mystery and the mastery. Uh, but right now we are going to have a very short break. Uh, Wickedly Smart Women, we need your help. If you are enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. 
we'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show, especially if they wear mascara, so we can serve them too. I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Brazil. And I also want to celebrate that Wickedly Smart Women is in the top 600 in business in global reach. That's amazing. I just found that out. And so that's pretty exciting. Very cool. uh, Yeah. So we're going to celebrate that. And we will be right back with Christy Kerner. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Women, are you ready for a big revenue breakthrough so you can stop working like a man and being paid like a woman? Are you ready to take the leap and go deep to claim your value and convert your wisdom to wealth? Is now the time to fulfill your mission and change the world? Creative Age Consulting Group is hired by women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance and be heard by millions while building a sustainable business model that makes bank. Please visit apply.wealthylifemethod.com to apply for an invitation-only consultation. If you have been inspired to receive support in welcoming wealth by making your most heartfelt contribution to the world, be sure to apply for a consultation today. Once again, that is apply.wealthylifemethod.com or click in the link in the show notes to access the application. And we are back with Christy Kerner. You can find out more about Christy and uh, maybe join her little mascara club at mylittlemascaraclub.com. We also have a very special coupon code for our listeners. If you text the words create happy to 33777. What happens if they do that, Christy? (laughs) (laughs) Refresh my memory. What happens if they do that? They'll get both a text and an email with a coupon code that gives them a free gift with purchase. I have a really happy, cute little gift that I want to offer them. So Beautiful. Well, I love your creativity and um, I love this conversation that we were having before the break about you know, getting some mastery in the mystery. And you were saying, you know, you just figure it out. I decided a few years ago that I'm done figuring things out. And I've now decided I'm going to figure things in instead. Oh, so like that it. that shifted things for me internally, because I just, I, I was like, I'm just tired of figuring things out. And now I just figure things in. And so <laughs> one of the things I like to figure into my life is creativity. And clearly, as somebody who's founded seven businesses for yourself, scaled three for others, you are a master mystery woman at creativity as well as having confidence in the unknown. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about the creation of My Little Mascara Club and yeah. and what else you have that you've created. Are you still running multiple businesses or are you just focused on one? So I'd yeah. like to first talk about creativity and then get a little more clarification about what you've got going on behind the scenes there besides My Little Mascara. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to address that first, I do have two other companies. <laughs> My husband and I have a company that is focused on the human side of organizations called H-Factor. So he's been a recruiter, a headhunter for about 20 years. And I come along with the people ops side. I have a fractional chief people officer role that I play sometimes from a consulting perspective. So helping people understand what it means to be a leader, how to work with people, how to get the most out of people, how to set up their processes and systems on the human side of the organization. Because that's really where my passion lies. I love emotional intelligence, which is why everything with mascara is infused with this desire to help people feel better about themselves in life. In addition, I have my consulting company that I've had for a number of years where I help founders grow their companies. And so I do run CEO circles with about 40 or 50 of the top startups in Arizona where I'm based on a regular basis. And so I run kind of CEO masterminds. I've been doing that for about five or six years, helping them grow their companies. So I clearly just can't get enough of company building. And, but, you know, I, I think it's important to call out, like, again, I have a lot of experience, but it's not easy for me. There is a fatigue that you get from constantly having to figure things out. I love your spin of figuring things in because it is exhausting. It's, it's a creative effort and it is something that there's a lot of weight on your shoulders on a regular basis. So it's not something that I recommend lightly. But I also want people to feel empowered that there's no difference between me and someone else when it comes to starting a company. So there's a movie called Joy. Have you ever seen this? I think I have. It's the lady who was uh, on the what, shop, Home Shopping Network yes. or something. Yes. Yeah. There's just this moment in the movie where she's looking at her mother who is kind of a little out of sorts. And she says to her mom, she's just starting to figure out that she can build a company, that she can sell things, that her inventions are interesting to people, right? She just had her first moment on HSN, I think. And she goes to her mom and says, you know, we grew up really poor and really disadvantaged. And if you had just helped me file a patent on this dog collar I invented when I was a kid, our entire lives could have been different, right? And her mom looks at her and goes, I don't know how to file a patent. And that was like the end of the conversation, you know? And it's, I can stand in her shoes and I can understand that. But anytime we feel those feelings of, I don't know how, that has to be the beginning of the conversation instead of the end of the conversation within ourselves, because that's the step that we have to take to move forward. and. When it comes to the creative process, like you said, I mean, again, myself, I get exhausted from the intensity of the weight on your shoulders when it comes to constantly having to climb a new hill. But for me, what I have found as a practice to be able to help with that is creating space. So it's easy for my busy monkey brain to be going all the places and constantly trying to figure it out because that's what I do, right? But if I get wrapped up in that too much, there's no space for the creativity to come in. And so Honestly, the, the way that I started Mascara Company was <laughs> I had a sinus surgery a little over a year ago, and I was so hopped up on I don't know what that like all I could do was watch like a fire. You know how there's a TV channel with just a fire flickering? I watched that for two days. Like my husband would come in and I'd be like, shh, don't interrupt, right? <laughs> like, I was just, I could only do one thing and that was it, right? But it created so much space in my head to just quiet the chaos mm -hmm. that this creativity set in and that's when my little mascara club was born in, in my head. You know, that's not typically the practice I use getting surgery, <laughs> but I have a few ways that I can do that. And I'm sure you're good at that too, of, of finding ways to just kind of quiet your mind a little bit and make sure that you give yourself some space in your head for you to relax into the creative side of things. 
Yeah, definitely. And for me, I like to actually do a few things. For me, I like to go out in nature. I like to spend time outdoors for sure. But I also have found that it's it's often helpful to have a mentor, right? To have a mentor where you can dump stuff onto the table and say, oh my God, I've got all this stuff in my head. And once it's out of your head and on the table, then mentorship often helps you to discern what needs to be figured in and what needs to be thrown out. (laughs) So I want to talk to you about that because you founded seven businesses and now you have three. So that means you've been in a state at some point in your journey where you made the decision to let something go that didn't serve anymore. Yes. So I feel like I'd love to just invite, because you were talking about making space. Well, the way you make space when you got seven companies is you let go four of them. So I'd love to have you talk about how do you know when? Like, how do you know when to let go from, I mean, obviously from a math perspective, that's one way of looking at it, but how do you know when to let go? And do you have processes that you use to support yourself and maybe also mentor or coach others around when it's time to just like, oh, this is over, throw in the towel? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Super fair question. And so you know, I had a medical massage therapy company that early on, I ended up letting that go to my partner as I moved on in my life. The jewelry company, that one was a math thing. That was an economy thing, right? That I kind of retired that one out. But I have one in particular that wasn't as obvious, but I did make it through that. And what it was is in 2008, I started a company called Express Me. And it was an alternative fitness center for women, just trying to make it fun for women to stay active. Because as a part of this pituitary tumor, my metabolism was sabotaged. And so I committed myself to staying active, but I had to entertain myself to do it. So I ended up getting a 6,000 square foot building in Arizona and literally packing it with dozens of crazy cool classes, everything you could think of, just helping women have fun staying active and have a community to do it. I built a curriculum that was licensed and taught at various studios across the US and Canada. I built multiple locations. Like I really had fun with this company. I owned it for seven years before selling it. What was interesting though is that, so two years in, this company for me was a cathartic company to build because in addition to the brain tumor, I grew up in a cult, like I've had a lot of trauma in my life and taking all of that and putting all that energy into creating an experience for women that helped them gain confidence and feel better about themselves and grow and develop in ways that they never thought they could through dance and through community and through activity and all these things. For me, it was something that made me feel like all of the difficulties that I went through weren't for nothing. And so that give back really, really healed me, right? But I noticed that about two or three years in, it wasn't the same relationship with my company anymore. I loved the mission of my company. And so I kept it for another four years because I knew it was doing so much good. But I found myself getting distracted, like going into consulting more, pushing out workshops and trainings for small business owners to learn how to do marketing. Like I found myself just being pulled away into other things. And I was in this torn spot because I knew that the mission of the company was so good and I saw the difference it was making, but I myself didn't feel like that was my mission anymore. And it took me some time, like I said, to kind of rectify that which is where I ultimately decided, you know what, it's time for me to let this mission live on without me. And that's where I ended up selling the company because that was kind of the best of both worlds. I had outgrown it. It had served me so much in healing my heart. But then 
it wasn't for me anymore. And it was nice because I was able to pass it on to someone else that is living that mission and it has served her heart next, right? Mm. And so I've been able to move on and try other different things and create other things in my life. So for me, that's the way that it was that signaling where I found myself distracted and it became heavy on my shoulders instead of something that brought me so much joy as it used to. And the hard part for me was separating out the fact that it could live on, the mission could go, without me. And that was critical in being able to move forward. Beautiful. Well, we have time for one more question. And I really feel like you are one of the best guests I've had on to be able to answer this question. You definitely have a great relationship with money. I can hear it. I can feel it. I can see it. I'd love to have you talk to our listeners a little bit about that because you know you've managed and done things in the upper seven figures eight figures nine figures you know most women and maybe i'm generalizing here but most women who might be listening to this show would be really delighted to have a seven figure business and the thought of an eight or nine figure business is not even on the radar screen so i'd love to have yeah. you just talk a little bit about your relationship with money and Give something to our listeners that they can take away in the last minute that we have here about, you know, how you hold yourself in right relationship with money and in a state of confidence around that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it wasn't that many years ago that I finally gave myself permission to just literally say, I love having money. Like I want money and I love money. Like it was something that before that seemed like a bad thing to do or say, right? But then one day I just realized like, I'm tired of the other version of life. What is this, right? Why? What's the point here? And for me, I know where my heart is. And I know that the more resources I have, the more I'm able to A, give back and B, like relax into the creative side of myself and give myself to my family and really just celebrate and enjoy a life that I love. So the whole idea of money being evil or all that kind of stuff, that's just so far from where I am or what's in my heart at any level. And so for me, I think just that realization of being able to give myself permission and say, you know what, I want money. I'm going to go find money. I like money and I enjoy having it. And there's literally nothing wrong with that. And so for me, I would say that's what made the biggest difference. Beautiful. I love that. Well, ladies, I want you to hear that she said she decided. It's really making those decisions that really creates the change in your life and the difference in your life and your business. And, and the other piece about that, about the money that I just also want to underscore is having more money allows you to serve people in a better, more generous way. So yeah, beautiful. All right, lovely lady. Well, we really enjoyed you today. Listeners, we love feedback. Please let us know what you think of today's show by calling into our listener line at 540-402-0043, extension 4343, or sending questions or guest suggestions to listeners at weeklysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. I do want to remind you, you can find the coupon texting information for mylittlemascaraclub.com in the show notes. And I am very grateful to you, Christy, for coming here today. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Wonderful woman.
Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to review and rate Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.